You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. And Neil. Welcome to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest, I think this is week 17 of this pandemic, is an actor originally from Plymouth, England, a former bodybuilder. He began a second career in acting and trained at the vaunted William Esper Studio here in New York City. Maybe you've seen him on shows such as The Blacklist, Inside Amy Schumer, 24 Legacy, Madam Secretary, and a slew of others. He's also been on Broadway, Off-Broadway, and now he is best known as Uncle Nassim on the hit Hulu show Rami, for which he is currently on the Emmy ballot for, for Best Supporting Actor. And yet somehow through this great career, he met Neil. He might be able to, <laughs> he might be able to lift weights, but I've been carrying around one Neil Potter for years. Ouch! It's Laith Knackley. Wow, what an intro. You like that? <laughs> we do good intros. I don't know about the rest of the show, but we do, we do really good intros. People are going to think I paid you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me start with the ass-kissing portion of the program. Congrats on all the Rami success. We'll get to that in the second chapter. And I was expecting, I did a lot of research on you. I was expecting an accent. Your Wikipedia and stuff, you, you know, Plymouth, England, British uh, background, but you play a lot of Middle Easterners. And I have, I get no accent from you on any tape I've seen other than, you know, as character. What gives? So, I was born in England. My parents are Syrian. And, uh, you know, I lived in Birmingham for the first 10 years of my life. I had a Brummie accent for the Brits out there. They know that. Um, and uh, I thought I was really English until I was 10. And then we moved to Syria. And I didn't speak a lick of Arabic. I didn't... Um, you know, I didn't know anything, and it was just a culture shock, and I had to learn how to speak Arabic. It took me about three years, and and then I spent, you know, 10 years in Syria before I came to New York, and in that time, part of it, because I was so upset and angry that he left England, I decided, I told my dad I'll never speak English again, and I didn't. I didn't talk to them, you know, in English uh, for a long time, and so when I came to New York, it's almost like I had to, uh, uh, you know, pick it up again. Oh, wow. So I did, over time. I, you know, I adapted my accent. Like, you know, you put me with a, you know, Bay Ridge, I start sounding like Italians when I was working <laughs> in the partners company. You know, you put me with Arabs, I started automatically speaking with an accent like them. <laughs> so I would just like adapt wherever I would go. So, uh, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, what were your parents doing? What, what, what jobs were they doing to England to Syria? Yeah. How did, well, why did they go back? Um, well, my dad, my dad, you know, he studied in England. He has, a, I don't know how many PhDs. He's a really smart man, electronical engineer. And, uh, and uh, he wanted to go back home. I think it was part of his master plan. He, he spent 20 years in England and he's, uh, you know, very attached to Syria and the future of Syria. And Syria in those days in 1980, it was, it was a very promising time as far as like, you know, for, uh, um, 
for growth and economy and stuff like that. And and that's what I, that's what he wanted to do. Um, you know, forgot that his son was ten years old and <laughs> had dreams already and yada yada. So uh, were they in this business at all? Were they acting or doing anything like this? And your mom or dad acting? No. Yeah, no, nothing like this. Nothing in the entertainment business. Oh no, no. I mean, if I told them that uh, uh, I wanted to be an actor, uh, that would have been like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You don't you don't tell anyone in the Middle East that you want to be an actor. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're not gonna go for it. Hey, I could barely tell my parents I wanted to go into show business. They, um, that's just not any parents' real plan, you know, for you. Um, how do you get from there then to the United States? Well, it's funny uh, because uh, even when I was in England, I've always dreamt of coming to New York one day because I remember as a kid I watched uh, King Kong and. Uh, uh, I have a poster right here in front of me too of King Kong, the original. And uh, I was fascinated by the Empire State Building and I did not believe it was real. So in my mind, I said, I want to go to New York to see if this building is real. And, you know, when I did come here, the first thing I did, I went to the Empire State Building. And now I wake up every morning, I live like I see the Empire State Building for the past 20 years. So it's kind of sweet. Oh, so, is- yeah, I, New York, I knew that I wasn't going to go back. You know, my parents, like, it was funny because uh, the day I left Syria, literally, like, people, anyone who ever knew me once came to our house to say goodbye. Like, it was like a, 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 a huge reception. And my dad was like, what's wrong? He's coming back in three months. But no, everyone knew that he's not coming back. <laughs> like, there was, like, the airport, like, filled with guys. Everyone was crying. And, and my dad, He's back. I'm like, no, he's not coming back. <laughs> well, what was the plan? Like, you were you were coming here, obviously, to see the Empire State Building. But did you have a did you have a plan? Were you already in the in the uh, bodybuilding arena, or are you just this was just no plan? Well, the way no, I, I had no plan bodybuilding. My secret plan was I wanted to be an actor. That uh-huh. was my secret. That I think it's the only time like I had a secret that I did not share with not even one person. Right. Uh, so that's what I wanted to do. And I came here and I tried in the beginning and had a couple of incidents that were so discouraging. And one of them was, uh, um, you know, I, I tagged along with this producer who said it's going to make me a star and all that stuff. You know, when you're 20, yeah. you think about, I want to be a star. Yeah, I want to make money. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. Uh, Hollywood, that's what we see when we're, you know, overseas. So he, um, you know, I got closer to this guy. And, and then, uh, of course, when I finally made a visit to his office i see all these pornographic posters on on the walls not the kind of acting i was interested in right. yeah oh that's crazy or, or, or equipped for so um so uh that put a damper on my dreams i'm like okay maybe it's never gonna happen maybe you need to be born into this uh uh, it's not going to happen for me. And I was training. I was very insecure. I was training all the time. I was athletic, you know, my whole life. And somebody at the gym said, oh, you know, you look good. You should compete. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I started training harder and 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 making friends with bodybuilders. And I did my first show in 1993, like the Eastern USA uh, um, Championships, and I took second. Then I competed a few more times. And they caught wind of that in Syria, 
and they invited me to go down there and compete. So I went down to Syria in 96. That was the first time since I left, and I did. I became Mr. Syria, and I became really famous over there, and, and then they wanted me to represent them in the World Cup, uh, in the World Championships, uh, but I didn't. I came back to New York, and I just wasn't happy. I was miserable, and you know, life took a few turns, and then I had to question what I wanted to do. Uh, I was able to open a gym in Syria with my two childhood friends, which continued to support my family. To the, no, I'm not now because of the war, but uh, um, but it, it, took, it took care of my parents for many years. Um, yeah. And uh, but I wasn't happy, and I said, I'm not, "What do I want to do with my life?" And a friend of mine said, "You always talk about acting. Uh, why don't you take an acting class? See if you like it." And I took an acting class, and I loved it. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just loved being there. I loved it. You were in New York, right? You're taking this class? Yeah, I went to yeah HB Studios, and my teacher was fantastic. Who was it? And I took a, I went to HB one time. Well, I took the first one. I took a, um, like a basic technique class, and then they put me in a scene study class, and they kept on advancing me. Advancing study class two, one, three, four. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, okay, I must be good. But I really wasn't learning anything. I was just memorizing my lines and going in and, loving it and then um until one partner you know wouldn't rehearse with me and she said you know i told her, this is very serious we're actors here she said well i'm not an actor it's just a hobby i'm like well fuck you it's not a hobby it's what I do. and i left and you know i found esper interviewed at esper and that, that changed everything wow okay so so esper was right after hv then yeah yeah so this is, esper, this is like 1998 no, 1999 was around when I started HB, and uh, Esper, my my interview for Esper was a week before 9-11, and I started like 10 days after 9-11. So it was like, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it in this segment, but it was an incredible uh, um, gift for me as, um, you know, identity-wise, because I spent a good chunk of uh, the 90s I even changed my name to Leo because I, you know, I didn't want to be part of me. There's, I don't know, there was some shame of being Arab because everyone lumps us into one category, you know, and um, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, so I changed my name to Leo and nobody would ask me anything. So um, <laughs> 9-11 happened and I did the opposite. Like a lot of people were feeling ashamed then, like, oh, going in, I don't want to say that I'm Arab, but I did the opposite because... I felt that we're being demonized, and I had to, um, I, 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 I had to do something, and so I started. I, I, uh, I was late again, and I got in touch with my Arabness and my identity, and, and that's when things started shifting. Yeah. And now, what was wait, the, wait, what wait, did wait, you? Last question. Ask this: Did the Arab Comedy Festival? When did that start? That's how you know Neil. Yeah, Arab Comedy Festival. I think the first one I did was 2004, and that's when I met Neil. There you go. And so that that changed that helped a lot of people that festival and it and and actually helped get through the same things you were talking about like nine eleven and stuff like that like hey you know we're not evil people we can actually do comedy and a festival helped right yeah to a degree I think I mean I think not as much as uh, uh, I would have wanted it to because um, you know its main audience was like you know Arabs and stuff so. <laughs> 
Yeah, we had, we had a pretty limited audience, but I mean, it was getting out there. But wait, can we go back? What did you do to get an expert? Did you have a monologue? Did you have a Did you have a scene, or what do you do to to get? Do you just got uh, in right away? No, the way they do it is like really an interview on an interview basis because you know you have homework, you have to do some reading, and uh, read Sanford Meisner's book at, the, at that time around that time before Bill wrote his own book and. Uh, uh, you just go have a have a chat and talk, and it just they just want to see that you're very serious and you're very committed because that's the most important thing. Because someone can have a resume, they can you know, so, or someone can be talented and do a shitty monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have talent but not know how to act yet. So, yeah. um, and that's how I got in and uh, met my teacher Joe Rooks, who's a very dear friend of mine to this day, um, and and. Uh, that started my journey. But you also ended up, didn't you, aren't you still involved there? You you ran it or like you were the door? Yeah. ended up uh, developing a stronger relationship with Bill Esper in the studio. Um, and I helped him uh, run it. And I helped him build uh, what we have today, like uh, expand on the business and, and help it reach its full potential because it's a very strong institution. The name was big but like there was a strong demand but uh, uh we just couldn't deliver because we had a small space so we expanded on that and uh and it became a great home for me because i was able to still act and uh and have a job that i loved you know just being with actors and being surrounded with actors and that to me um meant everything i didn't have to wait on tables or, or do that <laughs> And through this, you start your career starts taking off through the even while you're there, like you start doing these guest roles um, and all these shows. Yeah, I mean, it's, I started working. I was fortunate. I started working right away, not getting the roles that I really wanted in the beginning. But you can't can't really be picky in the beginning. <laughs> of course, you, you know, get the terrorist role, you do it. You want to <laughs> get into tag? Uh, you want to start building your resume? You you, you might have to uh, take some shitty roles, but. Um, and I was doing a lot of theater at the same time. Uh, so it was what was your first TV role that you did? Do you remember? What's that? What was your first TV role that you did that you booked? God, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So I get my first... My, so basically, right after I graduated, I get a call one day from uh, my friend, Deb Jackal, who's a teacher. And she says, uh, Late, I have an appointment for you tomorrow to meet an agent. So I'm like, okay. So just like that. It was 10 o'clock at night, and the next morning I was meeting with this guy. He liked me, and they said, I'm going to send you for this audition. And I go, I audition for Third Watch. It was for, like, uh, uh, you know, two, episode, two episodes, right? Yeah. And you're going to have a big laugh here. So I go, so I get the part. I get the part, and I shoot for three weeks. I made some good money and started to get out of debt. And uh, my friend, Anya, she was the only one who had a huge TV, like, you know, no one had a flat screen TV in 2003. She had one. And <laughs> it was huge. And we had a party, a viewing party. So uh, we, there were like 20 of us there. We were watching, waiting for my debut. And then I thought, and my first line is, like, Allah, what or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I try to kill people, and they kill me. It's all that crap. It's so oh, God. <laughs> I, I, didn't see that, I didn't see that one that, on your reel. What's that? I didn't see that. I didn't see that uh, third watch scene on your reel. Your reel's online, so I didn't see yeah, that. 
It was probably on the earlier reels, but no, I don't need that. <laughs> um, do you have? We're gonna wrap up this segment in a second. Um, do you have a dream role that you want? Like, I will. I watch a little. You, if you have no beard and whatever, I saw a little De Niro taxi driver kind of thing. You got you could go on if you're clean shaven. You you could be pretty versatile. Um, but do you have a dream role that you want? That. Uh, I'm kind of the one I'm doing now. I, I'm doing it, but there was um, um, I really I used to have a lot of dream roles, but the, but now that this happened, like I feel like like uh, I'm, I'm living my dream. So I, I really I really don't. That's but I have a funny narrow thing. I, if I have time in the segment, sure, I'll let you I'm, go ahead. Keep on. Give it, let's tell I'm the story driving, and we'll move on. All right, I was driving a cab uh, uh, for a long time. Um, when I first got here and people get in the car and at least twice a week or three times a week, somebody say, you know, you look like a young Bobby De Niro. I'm like, I'm like, Oh wow. Great. And then all the time I'm thinking, I'm, I'm wondering, I wonder if Bobby's related to Robert. De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, it was going on for like months. And then I finally asked someone like, who's Bobby De Niro? It's Robert De Niro. I'm like, what do you mean? It's Robert. How's Robert Bobby? And then they explained, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, yeah maybe it is two different people who knows all right let's go to the next segment all right um i want to talk about rami of course now this is uh for people who don't watch the show um it's a it's a really good show and um Lath plays uncle nasim his he's a muslim diamond dealer surrounded by jews and he's also an anti-semite and a misogynist and apparently uh spoiler alert Cover your ears if you don't want to hear a spoiler. And apparently now gay, which you can't say. They, you can't say late they didn't give you anything to play. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I got, Neil keeps going. Get to episode nine of season two. Get to episode nine of season two. My wife and I are sitting there. We watch it. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't see that coming at all. No shot. But it was... It. This is um. This is a pretty interesting character, don't you think? Yeah, no, I love this character. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't love, I don't love the things as a person, like the things that he does and he says. Uh, right. But uh, I just love, I love playing him. Yeah, and I love, uh, you know, um, um, getting into his humanity and and slowly, uh, you know, having the audience learn more about who he is and why he is like that. So. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you audition or Rami just knows you from back in the day and uh, and goes, hey, remember me? I got a show. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I know Rami. I know Rami for, you know, uh, since he was 17, the first comedy festival yeah. that he did. So do we. And and I brought him to Esper. He studied at Esper, too. He graduated, He did the two-year program at Esper. Oh, wow. Yeah, and May Kalamaui plays his sister. She did the program at Esper, too. So I, I know Rami very well. And, you know, we had the... Uh, with Neil, Neil, Rami, and I, Bethel, and we had the uh, sketchy Arabs uh, sketch group. <laughs> <laughs> so I've known him for long, and I've always been in touch with him, and I knew he was creating something. I think four years ago he said he's working on something, and then I auditioned for uh, the pilot initially, and I, you know, I didn't get it. Um, I usually don't get upset, but I was kind of like upset. I'm like, God, this was like an opportunity. I'll never get an opportunity like this to play something that's, you know, be part of a show that's super positive, something that I've always dreamt of. And but then he just, when the show got picked up, he says, "Listen, I have, I have something that's really, really, really cool for you, really good." And and um, and 
then he gave me the sides. He gave me the sides. And the, this funny story about the audition. This is the first time I'm going to be telling the story in detail. Right. Right. <laughs> Let's hear it. I love it. So how I got the, part. the way I tell people how I... If I want to tell someone how I got the part, the truth, and this is a true story. I really, I got Rami into my bedroom. Um, <laughs> no, honest to God, that's what happened. <laughs> let me let me clarify. All right. Yeah. I'm waiting. Um, so I was, uh, I got the audition. The audition was for uh, like a Wednesday. It was Tuesday night. And um, uh, I was at home at night getting ready for the audition, trying out stuff. And then I get a call from Rami. It's like 8 o'clock. And um, he says, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm getting ready for the audition tomorrow. You? And he's like, oh, I'm going to come up. So I'm like, so Rami came up and we're in the bedroom. He says, oh, so what do you think? What do you Tell me what you think. Well, I think I'm going to wear this. And I showed him. And then I'm going to slick back my hair like this. And I did. He's like, cool, cool. Well, I said, let's play with it. Let's read it. You know, so we started reading it together, and then and then we started like like riffing, you know, just like improvising. Yeah. And he put his camera up, like he put his camera up, and it started recording. And we just kept on playing and playing and playing. And he was texting at the same time, texting at the same time, and then said, "Okay, I'll see you tomorrow." So then I went on audition for him and the producers the following day, and then a week later I got the part. But he told me that basically the story is that he texted like Hulu and the producers from my apartment, from my bedroom, the video. And then they said, okay, yeah, we want him. <laughs> so you already walked it in with the, but you didn't know that. I did not. I did not. I did not. I did not know that. No, I, I was, no, I did not know that. I was, I spent every day after the audition. I was very comfortable and confident with the audition. It was great, but I was just like thinking, Oh my God. Oh my God. If I don't get this, I don't get this. I really I never wanted a part more. But that yeah. He's such a Holy guy. yeah, I that's like a great, great story. That's your auditioning right in your apartment. Yeah. Your show. You've also <laughs> you've also worked with Hayam Abbas. You you play you, she plays your sister and Rami's mom on the show. You guys worked together before, yeah? Yeah, oh my god, Hayam. Hayam is like he's a legend. If you yeah. go to the Arab world or the world outside the United States, she is a legend. And she's becoming one here, too. Uh, she's incredible. I met her the first time. I had a little part, like one scene with her um, on um, uh, uh, The Visitor. Yeah. Uh, and The Diner, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was one of my favorite scenes of all time. And and we became we became friends. You know, I'd send her an email every now and then. She'll respond. And... and always always dreamt about working with her again and then the fact that i get a chance to play her brother and 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 have so much fun with her because our characters are in a way are very similar you know we speak uh, we speak our mind we don't we have no filter and all that and uh just getting to know her i just love her so much we've, we've become really good friends yeah she's amazing like yeah, she's amazing so wait, so take me through the script for the second season. Like, do you get the whole show, or are you are you in the writers' room with them at all, or you get the whole show and you just get to read the whole second season at one time and been like, and you're just like, holy shit, what a season! How does that work? No, 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 no. Rami, you know, Rami does this thing. He um, he uh, he doesn't like to share scripts. Um, 
until we get closer because he doesn't want us to sit with him too long and think too much and, and get to, you know, he doesn't want to want us to spend a lot of time with the script. So I didn't know. I really didn't read my script until maybe 10 days before we started shooting. I kind of had an idea where they were going with it. Yeah. We talked about it. We talked about it. But it was never really solid. Like, they could have told me he got deported and I would, okay. So <laughs> I don't, did not know. But I had a feeling this, this is where they were going to go. Um, I didn't realize how deep it was going to be. You know, when I read it, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I don't think I'm good enough to do this. Yeah, <laughs> no, my- you're more than good enough. And I think that's where it got you the Emmy nod. I I mean, that one, I mean, you got to understand, even I'm Jewish, right? So I'm watching it from a standpoint of like, oh, boy, this guy, you know, and um, he's a little he's very hard to take as a character at times. But then as with all these characters, you know, like you play him so honestly that. I feel bad for Uncle Nassim at the end of that episode because he doesn't get to live his true life, you know. And you got, you know, that's that's a good actor right there, you know. If you can, t- you could twist me into be like, I feel bad for that guy, you know, because mm-hmm. he's he's very harsh, you know. And um, you know, he punches the guy in the face in the middle of the sh- <laughs> thing as well, you know. But he, but he, then he, then he sews up his lip. I mean, there's so much there, and um, yeah, I feel bad for Uncle Nassim. Do you? Th- is there any shot in your head in uh, in uh, season three that he could come out? Yeah, I think I think in season three. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, Rami Rami did say like he's not going to come. He's only going to come out. The, the idea is going to be. Uh, uh, um, um, like what he's going through is going to be clear for the audience. They're going to know, but the family, no one's going to know in this season. And second season, yeah, I don't know how far he's going to go with it. I know at least some family members will find out and they have to because, you know, because his struggle, the struggle with Uncle Nassim is like, it's so layered, you know, so yeah. it's not like, it's not like he's out or anything like that to certain people. He's not even out with himself. He's, he's he, he can't even uh, allow himself to be himself. So he has an inner struggle first to accept who he is. He's not even allowing that to happen. So first he has to allow that to happen. He has to reconcile with himself, his own identity and his sexuality before he can come out to even, he can't even come out to a secret community, like a private community. Now, like some people, they come out to certain people, like he hasn't come out to anyone. So, um, um, so I think it's going to be layered and hopefully it's going to be explored in next season. I mean, it has to be explored because they can't just like go from this to something else. Yeah. Well, now let's go back to that scene. I don't know if, I guess we could talk about it. I mean, if you, if you haven't watched it, definitely don't listen, I guess, but it, come back in 10 <laughs> seconds. But wait, so how much of the, are you improv in the last part? You know, the famous scene where you're on the sidewalk eating, I don't want to give it away, but are you, are you improving some or where's that come from that's such a great that's moment. gotta be in the script i mean that you can well, see it coming he's gonna eat away his his woes but yeah and yeah eating away feelings really yeah. um yeah i mean it was it was written in the script and i think in the script it was like it was just eating and then he's looking at something uh, on the wall a poster about recycling about the earth and stuff and it was a moment then there was supposed to be a flashback scene it was supposed to it was supposed to shoot a flashback scene right after it of of uh, my character Willie's character when we were younger, and and uh, I didn't know I wasn't planning on anything. I was just eating the cake, and uh, <laughs> then um, all these emotions just came out, and 
Um, and then Rami decided uh, he had this idea, uh, which is what he ended up using, layering, layering that with the song. And uh, we didn't need to shoot the other scene. Oh, so yeah. perfect ending yeah. to that one. No, nope, that one got me. You got me good on that one. I, that you, know, <laughs> you got me fully, you know, feeling terrible for that poor man. Like so, even my wife was just like, oh, just feel terrible for him. You know, it's <laughs> so frustrating. Um, what happened to the gun? No, wait. What ha- wait, let me ask him what happened. Lath, what do you think happened to the gun? You gave Rami a gun <laughs> and he gave it to the old man. Right. And the old, yep. uh, the old man almost kills him. And the gun is now disappeared. Is that gun coming back? Well, listen, there's a little nugget in there, you know, there's a little nugget yeah. that, uh, you know, uh, do we have to go watch the series again? Is what you're saying? I like Man, that. There's an Easter egg. I missed it. Oh. No, yeah, there's a little nugget in there in the email that uh, that uh, Farouk gets in his episode. You know, there's an email or something like that when he gets fired. He gets fired because his boss's father killed himself. Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't remember the exact moment. Some people are like, yeah, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that either. Damn. Okay. Oh shit! This yeah. is breaking news right here. Can we get a little? <laughs> this is podcast breaking news. Oh, I didn't double, that at all. Double check. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry to everyone. I <laughs> well, I'll ask Rami when I see him. Um, no, there's like, just right now it, it was blowing up because Hamilton came on the show. Uh, Hamilton came on Disney, and no one can figure out the ending. So this is this is comparable to that moment right there with Hamilton. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got uh, one more question. So you're. You're obviously a series regular now, season two, and now you're on the Emmy ballot. How exciting is that? Man, it's so weird. You know, I tell people, um, when I became an actor, all I wanted was to be uh, able to make a living doing what I love. That's that was my goal and have a voice to say something and for people to listen. That's all I really wanted. I never once in my life said mention awards because to me, it's like, you know, it's like winning the lottery because you don't think, I, I just don't want to, um, not minimizing my talent or anything like that. But it's like, you know, it's difficult. Like there's, there's hundreds of shows and millions of, 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 of nominations, whatever, you know, it's, it's just hard. So I never thought of it. And the fact that I'm part of this conversation is like incredible. It's incredible. Like It's amazing. You know, like, I was thinking when you win, if you could do like, you know, Carol Burnett did a little ear thing with her grandma. If you could just do a little blink to me and Lenny and recognize us, that would be great. (laughs) Done deal. Little fuck you, Neil. Just hold up your middle finger. We'll get it. We know who that's for. Um, But I do have an idea for a scene for Neil to end this segment. Like Uncle Nassim, he drops a weight on somebody's foot at the gym. Right, needs a lawyer, goes right back to Neil, and that's how you guys get to do a scene together. In, or or, or how about this? How yeah. about this? I drop, I drop the weight on somebody's foot in in the gym, right? Right. And then, then Mesa recommends a lawyer, and I go to the lawyer, and Neil is the person I drop the weight on. <laughs> even better. I love it. I, I love it. Oh, even better. <laughs> Fantastic. I could do that, or there's a lot of people talking to me about my immigration lawyer spinoff series like Better Call Saul. Just wanted you to know. <laughs> yeah, nobody's talking to him. Not even his mom would talk to him about that. All right, let's go to the next one. 
All right, the third corner, we usually take a weird turn, but we can talk to you. First person we ever had to talk about bodybuilding. Um, I always thought it's crazy how you told me that story. You're always into athletics and then just decided to do that. Um, Most people go, I saw Pumping Iron when I was 10 years old. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's where the the bodybuilding bug got them. But um, that's not your story. No, it's not. I mean, I did see Pumping Iron. I did love Arnold. He was like an idol. Like I had... Even before I was bodybuilding, I played soccer. I had pictures of bodybuilders all over my walls in, 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 in Syria, So, and mostly Arnold. So I, I was always inspired by him, for sure, but I never aspired to be um, uh, a bodybuilder. It was not in my, you know, it was, I never thought of it. Yeah, I saw uh, pictures of you on Instagram. You were a skinny kid, you know, did you get, you know, what, what prompted you to be like, all right, I don't want to be skinny, uh, let's go bulk up and get chicks, or oh. what is the deal? No, I was skinny. No, I never was. I never was into like I'm. I'm terrible when it comes to like um, you know, doing stuff to, to get women. I could. I, I don't even. I don't even know how to approach someone that I don't know. You know, <laughs> if I know someone, I'm very open and can talk about anything. But you, you, you can try like for ten years to tell me go talk to that woman there sitting at the bar alone. I would never do it. <laughs> so whether I look like Arnold or not, so I never did it for. Women. I did it mostly. I think mostly bodybuilding started for me because of my insecurity, and you know, because I feel I don't. I'm not bad mouthing bodybuilding, but I feel like you know, it's a lot of insecure people. Like when they really look after their physiques, because it's something that they control and something that helps. Um, that you have control of that. I can look at myself whenever I want. I can take off my shirt. I can do whatever. So it really did help me a lot with my insecurity. And uh, I was just training hard, and then somebody told me you should, uh, you should, uh, you should compete. You should think, of, you know, do you think about competing? And um, and uh, I said no. And they started training and learning things. And you know, I had to do other things. I don't know if I can talk about them, but um, <laughs> I did. I remember things. And um, but uh, yeah, that was it. Wait, do you go back to, for your bodybuilding, do you go back to Syria, right? And that's where you start, like, getting on the, the Syrian team or Syrian? When I went to Syria, I, I competed in, in Mr. Syria, and I became Mr. Syria. And I had to, you know, that qualified me to represent the country in the world championships. That's yeah. cool. So how does that work? Where you, what, that's a big deal. Is that like a, are you going, you're Mr. Syria. Yeah. <laughs> And are you going crazy? Is this like a high moment in your life? You're like, I, I did it? Oh, yeah, over there, so 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 different. Bodybuilding in, in in the Middle East is very different than America. In America, like, bodybuilders are a dime a dozen. And, you know, even when you turn pro, maybe you're lucky if the top ten pros make money from the sport. It's, like, really not a mainstream sport. Uh, you, you can get sponsorship here and there, but really it's hard to make a very decent living from it unless you're a trainer or you open a gym or you start a supplement company. But in the Middle East, like it was something, especially then, it was something, what I brought was something they'd never seen uh, before. So uh, they were fascinated and uh, and it was a big deal to them, a lot of pride. And like, you know, you go, <laughs> I, was, uh, I didn't have to pay. I'll go to a restaurant, you know, people fight with me to pay. They wouldn't let me pay. Like, I mean, so you're you're a, a massive star for being in Syria and Damascus. I guess is where you are. Around that time, I mean, now I mean, if I go, you know, they won't know who I am from Adam. You know, <clears throat> well, but you yeah. have to. Well, why do you? How do you? I know we're skipping around, but when you're Mister Syria, do you 
you still end up coming back to New York to be an actor. So that was a hard move. Well, I came back. I came back to New York, and I, you know, I still was a, was a bodybuilder, but I did one more show here, and then uh, before uh, thinking about doing the world championships or not, but I just wasn't happy, and I, you know, when I stopped and I made that decision, the one thing about me that those who know me for a long time uh, uh, can attest to is that I'm I'm very stubborn and determined. If I decide to do something, I do it. Like I decided to become a bodybuilding champion, and I did. Um, and I decided to be an actor, and I said, I'm not, nothing's going to stop me. If I take that first step, I'm not going to say it's not for me. I took the first step to see if it's for me, and I did. It was a hard adjustment in the beginning, a few months, you know, just adjusting from not being big anymore and muscular and not getting in shape and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I took a lot from bodybuilding, the, the discipline from bodybuilding and the dieting and all that stuff. I apply that to how I approach my career. Yeah, let me and did you win the world championships? I didn't do it. No, I ended up not doing it. I didn't do it. Okay. Did no. you, what did you what's what do you eat? Like when you're yeah. when you're really working out, you can't eat a cookie, right? You're eating like just like protein well, and just massive amounts of it? Well, it depends. It depends. You have there's two phases. You know, you have the off season where you just some people like like me, for instance, I just bulked up. I just ate everything. Some people stay in semi-shape, you know, they'll still... Like, what is everything? Like, take us through a meal. Oh, I'll eat. I mean, the most extreme is when you're dieting. That's the most extreme. Like, it got to a point... I remember when I went to... Uh, uh, when I was competing in, in Syria, the last week is when I dropped the carbs and just eating protein. I mean, I would have, like, literally, it would be a mountain of egg whites, about 60 egg whites. Oh, I have so, Holy shit. We have a lot of protein. I mean, it's not, the amount of protein is not really good for you. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I just did it for a short time, only maybe four years, well, four or five years. First of all, I want to say two things. The first, like you were saying, a lot of those bodybuilders have insecurity. So I was like a <laughs> super skinny kid my whole life. I'm still fairly skinny. So, Neil, I just want you to know that I feel very secure. I was very secure. <laughs> I'm going to take that as being very secure. And uh, the second thing is just watching bodybuilding, the oil, when they oil you up, that would finish me off. I can't even, like, I went to the Dead Sea once to my ankles. That's it. It's gross. I don't even, <laughs> I couldn't even do the oil part. Like, that, oh, God, you look like you're going to slip away. Listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work. I mean, what bodybuilders do, I mean, it's incredible the discipline that they have. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, uh, like, like the last week, for instance, the last two weeks, you know, stop brushing your teeth because there's a little bit of sugar in toothpaste and that could affect your body. Oh my God. That could make you hold water, you know, have like one Skittle, one Skittle could ruin your physique. That's how, (laughs) that's how detailed the the, the, the diet is and how much discipline you need. Yeah. I was, Uh, I was watching this guy one time I was working on a ship and this guy was like the, he was like on a Cirque du Soleil act with his uh, girl. And that's, that's what they did. They came on and hung from wires and they were like just shredded. And so I just happened to see this guy eating. I'm getting my plate for dinner and I see this guy in the, you know, where the performers eat. And this guy's, I swear to God, Neil, it was like three grapes, like a small piece of fish. I mean, like this guy was eating like a, like a, I can't even, I don't know. Like he was anorexic. It was nuts. Yeah, but that's different. That's different. The bodybuilder would not eat like that. They will. <laughs> but, but I'm talking about the sugar wise. I'm talking yeah. about sugar. 
Like, uh, you can have like uh, uh, five chicken breasts in one meal, but you won't have uh, um, um, any sugar with that. Um, so it's very, it's very, it's very detailed. Like even like at some point, I would cut diet coke because you know your body's so deprived that it can trick your body to thinking it's sugar, and then you might produce more insulin that could make you hold water so it's very very tricky so the discipline the amounts of foods that bodybuilders have to eat is like it's incredible you have to eat most of the times when you don't want to eat because but you have to eat like i have to eat yeah. because my body but i'm just like really want to puke and wait that, so take us through the, the actual the night the mystery theory when you win like what's the what separated you from everybody obviously the muscles and all that stuff but what's that what did you do on the during the performance or whatever, what did you do? What do you mean? He's, uh, he's posing. He's not, what do you think? He's yeah. doing really No, I know, but what's, what's your, like, thing? What got you over the edge? Yeah, because, well, my, my muscle size, maturity, and my conditioning was not matched by anyone, so. Yeah, they could see the definition. And you get up there and just, you have a routine down or no? You have to do set things. Yeah, yeah. First, there's set things, there's comparisons, there's certain mandatory poses that you do, and they compare each other, they keep on changing the lineup, and you, you have to go through these mandatory poses. It's, you know, it's grueling and exhausting. And, uh, and then you get, everyone gets to, like, a 90-second or two-minute posing routine to music that you get to just, like, you know, which I hated. I was terrible. Uh, <laughs> Did you? Have, what was your song? Yeah, did you have a song and what move? What was your best? What I, I, move is? I still remember it. I won it all. It's uh, by Queen. Ah. I won it all. <laughs> I won it all. Oh God! That's perfect. You're talking to like the two skinniest guys ever right here. So we're <laughs> enamored with the thought. The thought of me or Lenny getting up in front of people and taking our shirt off is, is would be really hard. You don't understand. Every time I go to the gym, late, if there's, you know, like you have the the dead weight so you you have the the pole like if i wanted to do bench press so i i take the pole and then people are like all right how much weight you want on i'm like that's it i just the pole weighs <laughs> itself it weighs enough i'm like i'm out i'm out i can't do this yeah wait that's how i train now that's how i train now i don't <laughs> i can't do any weight Wait, when I go out for when I go out for auditions, uh, tons of commercial auditions, right? When they they always there'd be like some they'd ask me to take off my shirt, and I'd be like, you don't want me to take off my shirt. I'm super hairy, and they're like, no, you have to take off your shirt. And I'm like, no, you don't want me to take off my shirt. I'm not going to get this part. And they're like, take off. I sure enough, I take off my shirt. And they're like, all right, never mind. That's, Every time. That's the exact <laughs> story I have. Exact story. I'm o for fifty. Wait, wait, what, what kind of auditions are you going out for, man? I mean, the commercials, they always want you to be like a regular guy by the pool. Like, I'm always a normal guy by the pool. And I'm like, if you watch, it's always a really white guy with no hair on his chest. Yeah, and even this, I like, I go out for, they would send me out for dorky white guy. And I get there, and I'm a dorky white guy. And they would have even, like, extremely dorky white guys. Like, I was fat compared to these dorks. It was so annoying. I couldn't even be myself, you know? I couldn't even win that audition. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Wait, did you have to wax, and you had to wax your whole body for all that stuff, right? Yeah, man. It's, it's grueling, man. You have to shave all the time. I, I never waxed because waxing is painful. Uh, but I always shave. And I wasn't as hairy as I, right now I'm a beast. I mean, I'll put you to shame, Neil. But, <laughs> but, um, but literally, I can just go out without a shirt. People are like, oh, cool sweater. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but, but, yeah. but I didn't have any hair, but because shaving all the time, it's just like, yeah. Um, all right. And did you, do you ever wake up and go, I'm going to do, I'm going to get back into that crazy shape or amazing shape. Um, do you ever wake up one day and go, you know what? I should just do it a little bit. Um, like the way I was before, I would never be that big anyway, if, even if I wanted to, because I'd have to have to do certain things, number one. Uh, and and I, I have no interest in being big. I do have interest sometimes in being in shape, but uh, to be to be that disciplined, to get in that shape, to, to get really cut and have a six pack and look nice, I would need some serious motivation like, hey, let's have a, Syrian refugee as a Marvel hero, and uh, we're gonna pay you two million dollars. I will do it. All right, I like that. You know? But but for for my own vanity, no, I don't care. If, if someone's gonna like me because I have a six pack, I don't want to meet them. <laughs> now, do you ever have a go to, uh, a moment, a fuck you moment at the gym when you're like working out and you're like you see a bunch of bozos over there and you just want to go, hey, I'm. Freak, Mr. Syria, like take this. <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 do have those moments, but not like that. But I'm like, I see those big guys, or the, you know, and you know, the thing is with the bodybuilding world is so small. But when you're in it, you think it's it's the only world that exists. So anything around you, you feel like they're watching you because, like, you see, you know, like I'm 250 pounds, five seven. I'm walking, uh, getting on the train, and everyone's looking at me. And in my mind, it's like wow, everyone's looking at me because they want to be like me. But no, what they really are saying is like, look at this fucking freak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... Wait, what, last question. What's your favorite part of your body? What was your best part of your body? My best part of my body was, I think, my left calf. <laughs> oh, the calf? The calf? Left calf. My left calf. Well, my left one's better than my right. It was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, so right like, it's still good. It's still good. Uh, it's still good. Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, I think, what was the last question I was going to ask? Oh, I always wanted bodybuilders to at least be more practical. Like, all you guys, all these guys would work out, but God forbid, like, it, I would lived in this, like, apartment complex years and years ago, and I, I can't. I get next to a weight, I start sneezing. I'm allergic to weights. So, but these guys were all like jacked, and they would be going to the gym, and I, I don't know if I'd be going golfing, whatever. They'd be going to the gym, and then there would be a big snowstorm, and it would be nice if these guys would help old ladies shovel out of that snow. Like, what good is all that exercise if you just you can lift lift the car out of that spot so I don't have to <laughs> shovel it? Like, help a brother out. I mean, you if you guys could lift all that weight, just lift my car out of the spot so I don't have to spend three hours shoveling. Uh, it's just frustrating life. That's all I'm saying. All right. Let's go to the Let's go to the fourth corner. Um, Neil, I'm gonna have to put you in the soundproof booth. All right. Meaning I'm gonna call you back. Do you want me to call you back on the, no, the same number? Yeah, call me back on the all number. Right, hang up and I'll call you back. All right, Lath, this is what we do. We play these little quizzes with Neil, and he tries to beat our guest. Now, I have to say, he has knocked off a PhD twice. And, Jeez. yeah, but that was a fluke. Um, I think it was a sports quiz. She got in over her head. But here's, I'm going to, there's going to be 10 questions. And here's the thing this Muslim comedy festival came up, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, years ago. I had no, I knew, I know Neil for 25, almost 30 years, right? I didn't know he was half any part of Arab at all, right? 
to mm-hmm. to jumpstart his career, suddenly when the the Arab Comedy Festival came up, he comes out out of nowhere. The whitest guy I know is a quarter mm-hmm. Arab, right? And suddenly he's Habibi all over the place and he's writing Muslim scripts, you know, like what? Like, come on, man. He went to Baylor, which is like a Baptist university. It's all a crock of shit. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prove to him that he doesn't know dick. And this quiz is a Middle Eastern capitals quiz. I'm just going to give you the country. You give me the capital. Oh, my God, this is um, I'm going to be ashamed by so many people. Go ahead. That's all right. But then he's going to really be shamed, which is going to make me happy. So just get as many as you can. All right, here we go. Egypt. Cairo. There you go. Syria. Damascus. Yeah. United Arab Emirates. Um, Abu Dhabi. Yes. You're three for three. Look, see, I'm going to laugh so hard when he can't get any of these. Lebanon. Beirut. Qatar. Um, Doha. Yes. Iraq. Baghdad. Yep. Jordan. Amman. Yep. Morocco. Uh, Morocco, Morocco. Uh, Marrakesh? Uh, no. no, good guess though. Uh, we go back. Yemen. These are Arab countries, sorry. These are Arab. Uh... Um, um, uh, All right, one uh, more. We'll go back. Kuwait. 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 In Kuwait City, right? I'll give it to you. Mor- so Morocco or Yemen? Morocco. Let me see. Uh, God, I know it's at the tip of my tongue. I'll give you a hint. The first letter is R. The bot? There you go. Oh. Yeah, if okay. he knows that, my eyeballs will fall out of my head. Okay, <laughs> and yeah, man. It's always in my crossword puzzle in the New York Times. And yeah, man, yeah, man. Well, as long as you give him the same cheat to him, too. Like I'll the give him the same cheat. I'll give him all the letters. He won't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> What's, uh, <laughs> give me the first of Yemen. Uh, Yemen is uh, Sana. How do you? Uh, uh, okay. Is that how you pronounce it? Sina. Sina. Okay. All right. I'll take. How about eight out of ten, right there? Or right, sorry, nine out of ten. Pretty good. Yes. All right. Let me call back Potter. Uh, how many? Go ahead. Give me an over under. What do you think he's going to get? Uh, I think he's probably going to get. Four or five. Yeah, it's gonna I be think- a land. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get him, let me get him back in. Uh, how do I get him back in? Is the question. Ah, here we go. Uh, six. Right. Okay. Do I got a chance? Hold on. Ask that again, Neil. Do I got a chance? I'm gonna go no. But ah, <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell them what I got. You can't tell them I can't, I'm not going to tell them ah. what I got. But. All right, here we go. So this, Neil, is a uh, – since I was saying to Laith, you know, um, you know, I didn't know that you were a quarter Arab forever until – I'm half. I'm half. See, this garbage Laith. And then, you, you know – My mom is 
Salida. I know what your mom is. I've seen her, and she's got the biggest Southern accent of all time. You went to Baylor. It's a Baptist school. Your dad is like white as a ghost. If he walks in the sun, he would explode, you know? Um, you have the one coloring. Everybody else looks like your dad. But, okay, Mr. Arab country, I'm going to give you the country in in Arab world. You give me the capital. That's all you got to do. Okay. Do not Let's cheat. Do it. You have, and he did it in about 10 seconds. So, here we go. You ready? Uh, yep. Egypt. Cairo. Yeah. Syria. Damascus. United United Arab Emirates. Uh, United Arab... Doha? Uh, wait, where's my buzzer? Late. this makes Shit. me so happy. There we go. Shit, we were going to live there. <laughs> uh, Lebanon. Uh, Beirut. Yeah. Qatar. Qatar, I don't, I don't know that one. It's a tough. That's Doha, you nut. Yeah, I knew one of them was Iraq. Which one? Iraq. You ever hear of Iraq with the key? Yeah, Babylon. Yeah, wrong. Bad. No, wait. I, Iraq is a. Uh, you just blew it. All right, that was a joke. I did the walls of Babylon. It was a joke. Uh, all right, go on. Next one. Jordan. Amon. Wow. All right. That's all. I'm impressed. Uh, Morocco. Uh, Morocco is uh, Marrakesh. No, it's the one up, up north above that, not Marrakesh. It's uh, shit. I don't know the name of it, but it's what? not. It's, it's, it starts with an R. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I just know Anthony Bourdain went. <laughs> he knows everything about Anthony Bourdain. That's, what, <laughs> that's the only reason he knows any of these, uh, Lathe. And Yemen. Yemen is in bad shape, so I don't want to... <laughs> I mean, mention the capital would be a bad thing, I so see. no, I... All right. Got you. And Kuwait. I guess I lo- I'm losing. Yeah, you're losing. Kuwait. Yeah, I don't know Kuwait. It's Kuwait City. Yeah. So not bad. You know what? You got. I think you got higher than we thought. Those are two and then uh, four. I think you got five. That was about well, four. I'm Syrian and Jordanian, so those two I nailed. Yeah, all right. So winner is Lath, of course. Woo! There you go. Congrats, congrats. Sorry. Sorry, you guys. Um, Can you tell, tell the score? Tell the score. Oh, yeah. It was like, I think you lost. Uh, Lath got 9 out of 10. Damn it. And you got, a, I think, 5, like 1, 2. Five. I'd have to, I think, maybe 5, if I'm being nice. Uh, well, you lost. Not bad. All right, well, I'm a good sport, so congratulations. You deserved it. <laughs> All right, Late. The way we end the show every week, we do one good thing or one bad thing of the week that's happened to you. Um, obviously, this is a good thing that's happened for us. We had you on our show. Uh, but, Neil, I'm going to let you start. One good thing or one bad thing of the week. Well, first, of course, talking to Late has been amazing. It's, we, have, we could do, like, another 10 hours. But my good thing is... Uh, I, I I won my first game of Mahjong last night, and so, yeah, that's the, that's what a pandemic will do to you. You learn Mahjong. You're playing Mahjong with who? Your, fam- your family all plays Mahjong? Your dad plays Mahjong? No one really knew how to play, but I won. <laughs> you mean you stacked the tiles correctly or something when you, in the box? Yeah, because when we lived in Japan, we, got the, we had this uh, really, like, Really nice antique Marjan kick that's worth a lot of money. We got it out and we played. All right. Uh, it's 
bizarre. I don't know what's going on down there <laughs> with your parents. Um, are they okay? Is everybody good down there? Uh, so far, so good. But, you know, I'm leaving a little bit. So, so far, so good. All right. My one good thing or one bad thing of the week is for me is uh, it's a bad thing this week. Like, California, come on. Pull it together. Uh, we're supposed to go out there. Neil and I and everything. Well, I don't know the final verdict yet, but it, they're doing so bad, Neil. I got a bad feeling of what's coming down the pike. Um, yeah, I know. So you're screwing us hard, California. Put the mask on. Get inside. And, you know, we'd like a career. Thank you. Um, yes. Let's do that. Okay, Lath, you got a good thing or a bad thing that's happened to you this week? Um, well... <laughs> Oh, the good thing, I mean, it's all this, all this, like, uh, Emmy love and, uh, talking to you guys and, and, uh, hey, yeah, appreciation. That's awesome. So yeah, you deserve bad, it. I'll share a bad one. A bad thing is, like, I continue to say, okay, I'll run tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that for like 120 I'm, days. I run tomorrow. I'm I, supposed to run today. I'm going to say I'm going to run tomorrow. Well, um, you know what? I'm going to give you a pass. Do you run inside or outside? Well, I, I outside, I want to run. I haven't run. I, I, I haven't been running. so, But I did find like a patch of grass by the Hudson River that I can run on. I discovered it, but I have yet to start running. Yeah. Um, it's... But, Running is, I mean, you get, it's the first one is always the toughest, but now running outside is very, it's hard. It's, it's hot as hell out there. I don't mind that. It will probably help me, uh, you know, get into somewhat shape, like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, at least shape up my one pack a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, you can have a one pack, but, you know, you don't want to have a one pack that's out of shape. You want to have a good one pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just bike and ride a bike it's so much easier i ride the bike i ride the i do ride the bike but you know running is more like better conditioning for me but i just need to get get started that's all maybe tomorrow i promise tomorrow so. all right all right we'll take that as a promise lath come back after you win that emmy we want to hear all about it lath knackley uh his Man. instagram is at lath knackley his twitter is at lath knackley he's a great actor we're so happy you could come on the show with us. We wish you a ton of success, and, and we love that kid, Rami, so it all works out. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it, this has been amazing. What a, what a, what a, uh, an honor to be. To be. <laughs> and he is a good actor, Neil. I bought, I bought, yeah. I almost bought it. We're going to put that on the front of the website right there. We quoted you. Boom! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all, right. all right, thanks, Ray. Everybody st stay safe. We'll see you next week. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye, Lath. Thank you. Bye, Lath. Hi, everybody. Lenny here. Um, yeah, we just finished with Lath, and that was fantastic. And he just got word as we were getting off the podcast, and he told Neil after the podcast that they did get picked up for season three. So Rami season three on Hulu is a go, and they're about to announce it. And by the time this airs, he'll have had that information, which he didn't want to break on this show if we were live. So... It's all good. Congrats, Rami. And uh, congrats, Lath. And congrats, the cast of that. And go win a bunch of awards. We will see you guys next week. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Last Buttons Podcast.